trapped in this wasteland. I am the one who runs from both the living and the dead. A man reduced to a single instinct. Survive. It is by my hand! You arise! As the world fell, each of us in our own way was broken. It was hard to know who was more crazy. Me, or everyone else. This is The Script, the official podcast of the NYC Screenwriters Collective. My screenwriters tonight are Christina Leith Malin, Jeremy Engdahl Johnson, Jordan the Wildling Beard Rosengarden, David the Bloodbag Negrin. I like that. That is that was one hell of an introduction. Busted deal, you faced the wheel. Of course you liked it. You got a nickname. I didn't get anything. I just got my <laughs> usual hyphenates. Four scribes enter, one podcast leaves. Oh what a day. What a lovely day. We're doing Mad Max Fury Road. How's everybody tonight? Doing well. Excellent. Pretty darn good. Happy to have everybody on. Uh, George Miller's fourth film in the Max Rakotansky quadrilogy now. Is that what we call it? Um, yeah, this is not a remake. This is a continuation, correct? Uh, we got to talk about that a little bit. All right. Ah, okay, okay. We got Jeremy is our uh, Mad Max historian tonight. Um, George Miller is credited with the screenplay. Also, Brendan McCarthy, Nico Lathoris, um, Miller, George Miller. You may also know him from directing two Happy Feet movies and making bank and Lorenzo Zoyle in the '90s, The Witches of Eastwick. Uh, and before that, three Mad Max films. Jeremy, how did how did it go? Well, I, we got to talk a little bit about history first, right? Okay, first there were the dinosaurs. Yeah, first there were the dinosaurs, <laughs> and then but but here's the thing that I think to know about Mad Max is if if you don't know this, and it, it should be obvious, but uh, maybe it's not to some people, but Mad Max made Mel Gibson's career, and like so, his first movie, he did a couple TV things, but. His first movie was something called Summer City in 1977, the year in which I was that. born. Wow. Uh, and, and, and it was about four surfers who get involved in like some murder plot. <laughs> I've never seen that. I don't want to see that. But in 1979, he did the original Mad Max, which was a, a movie about uh, kind of right on the edge of post-apocalyptic. And a guy has a family and like his best friend and his wife and baby get killed by this gang. And he goes after them and he becomes Mad Max and he goes crazy. So that was this kind of film that most people haven't seen. And then a couple years later, we had uh, Mad Max 2, The Road Warrior, which is the one that everybody's seen. This is, this is yeah. classic Mad Max, you know, driving crazy cars. Uh, and and it, it's really the thing that most closely hues to what we've got going in Mad Max Fury Road. But it wasn't probably until 85 when we had Mad Max Beyond Thunderdome where everything went big time. And you had Tina Turner... And, you know, you know, this is Bartertown, Master Blaster, like one of the greatest. We don't need uh, another hero. I knew someone was going to sing Yeah, well, 
anyway, so so those are the those are the three movies. And and you know what's amazing to me, even even re- until recently, until the the press started coming out for Fury Road, did I even know that there was a fourth Mad Max? That the original Mad I thought Road Warrior was the first Mad Max. Um, and I watched these as a kid on HBO. I watched Mad Max Beyond Thunderdome a dozen times. You did not have all the cable stations, clearly, because uh, <laughs> r- because the Road Warrior was playing rather incessantly. In fact, I think there was probably an opportunity for you to see it a hundred times had you had access. No, Road Warrior was playing, but the original Mad Max was not. Well, nobody was into that because they wanted to skip to the part where they had crazy costumes and, and souped up cars and everybody was fighting but for gasoline. Isn't, isn't that fascinating that it's like, get right to the post-apocalyptic. We don't want to see the edge of the apocalypse i mean that reminds me of the terminator films right it's like you know we keep you know in the original terminator was somewhat interesting but you watch the original terminator um the action is you know it's they're shooting each other around la and um the most interesting part of that movie is arnold schwarzenegger like cutting himself up and slowly turning into the terminator or dying to see the post-apocalypse so is the original Mad Max that it's full of, you know, it's like car chases, like police, and is is the world ending? Well, what, where do we start this movie? And I think it's instructive. We start with, uh, you know, the apocalypse is already in, it's 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 happening, or it's or it's happened in that case, because nobody cared about, you know, the, this guy driving around with his family, and then he gets pursued by a gang, and things go really bad. Like, that is not nearly as interesting as the idea that gas is the new currency, and you've got these weird, like, side cultures, and everybody's, like, driving extensively uh, and really worried about acquiring gas while wasting a large amount of it. I mean, it's it's this amazing 80s conceit. It is, it is, it is awesome. And remade now, yeah. it just feels perfect. Like, the timing is just right. Yeah, and you don't get I, – what I like is that – you don't get that whole I – mean, you get a little bit of it in the beginning, but you don't get this whole backstory of how did things get like this, uh, where exactly are we, at least in this new movie. I know that it's supposed to – I think the original films, they take, they're take they all in Australia and they're in the Outback or something. Um, here it seems like it could be anywhere. I mean it's just the point is, is that this is the future. Um, it's just this apocalyptic wasteland and movie starts, and here we are. I mean we're going to do the basic beats for this movie – but this thing is so well done. The story is so phenomenal in this. Like, I don't think we need to do that much, spend a time on the beat sheet too much. Um, just quickly, I want to go around. I want to go around and um, I want to hear what general thoughts on the movie. I want to start with Christina. I have to say it was my favorite movie of the year so far. Favorite, favorite, hands down. Wow. We'll watch it again. We'll probably buy it. You still buy movies? Uh, well when ninja video doesn't work now yeah 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 that's true though you never know when you're going to need to have a local copy i it was it was worth it it was and i saw like a week like three days later i saw the avengers and i was like wah wah (laughs) oh wasted money so avengers was fine but you know what No, it was a waste of this movie this horrible this movie mad max fury road it's something we haven't seen in a while they don't, you know, I wrote my first note was they don't make movies like this anymore. But it, here's the thing that I liked about it was that, uh, and, and the Avengers uh, comparison is, is interesting and we should talk about that. 
because the Avengers had the lamest cardboard female characters, and this movie, like, and I want to know what Christina thinks about this, but I, like, I was arguing with myself, is this actually like a feminist movie, or is it just a total wet dream? Like, when he comes around the side of the, the, the big truck, and he sees all of the, the wives, uh, like, bathing, and they're, the yeah, various stages in, in, in of pregnancy white, with, like, white, 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 like, yeah. wet like clothing and you're just like this is ridiculous and i love it and i also am like no it's an oasis it's an oasis so um anyway i thought it was fascinating i like that they took something and and they they kept to the mythology and at the same time they made it entirely new and so like i grew up on these movies you know i've seen them so many times and yet i felt like, I was in that world, but it was something new, and I, I appreciated it. If you're going to remake things, stop telling the same story over and over again and start telling us something new about the people who are involved. Yeah, please right. don't redo the origin story. We know. Yeah. We got it. <laughs> yeah. Don't do Spider-Man. Thanks very much. We don't need it again. I'm only here um, for feminist Jordan. commentary. I'm just saying right now. Bullshit. You got more to offer than that. <laughs> That's what I'm going for, the jugular um, arm. That's all. That's fine. That, that's going to be your 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 death blow. Um, Jordan, general thoughts on this film? Um, I was expecting. Um, my expectations were pretty high going in, so I was expecting to be let down when I saw this movie. Having said that, this movie fucking rules. I mean, like this, I I I was not only just thoroughly entertained, but um, it's just. I mean, I think you already said this, David, but this just seemed like a th- like. I haven't seen a movie like this since maybe the early 90s, if not 80s, or, or just something very strange. Like, you're act, you're, it just seemed real, and I, I don't know. It was, And I think that's also partially, you know, we're going to get into it, but I don't know if it's such a deep script per se, but I do think it was directed. I mean, you know, George Miller directed the shit out of this movie. Yeah, I mean, we, um, can, we can try to delineate that tonight, I think. Um, yeah. The difference between the directing and, and the, the writing here. Yeah. Um, but I think there's some serious screenwriting going on here because screenwriting okay. isn't always about what you put in. It's Did also about what writing? you leave. That yeah, writing. Uh, Screenwrite. We you know we do a podcast about screenwriting. <laughs> what? I, weren't you guys telling me it was like solely based uh, primarily on storyboards? Sure. I know that they started with storyboards. They they began with storyboards. There had to be a script. Well, yeah, there true. there wasn't a lot of dialogue. I mean, have have we ever had yeah. a main character, a, a a titular character who said so little? And why did he do it all in the Bane voice? That's my only critique of the movie. Like, why did he have the Bane <laughs> voice the, the whole Bane time? Voice. Yeah, that was the Bane voice. It was just a he's grunting. You no, know, so so he said like forty five words the whole movie. I mean, I don't understand just, one of that. I could not understand what he was saying. Well, not that it was a problem because he didn't really have that big of and a part. And it didn't matter. Yeah, it nope. didn't matter. Nope. Even. Christina, you make a good point. If you storyboard out the entire film, that's still a script, right? It's still yeah. It's still beat. It's a it's a beat sheet, right? It's a yeah. It's it's detail. It's just doesn't. It's dialogueless. Um, as opposed like an animation to somewhat. Well, yeah, or yeah, exactly. It's more like an animated film as opposed to somebody like Wong Kar Wai who goes on set and says, "All right, let's see what happens." <laughs> you know, I have right some on. ideas or. Um, you know something that's semi-scripted like curb your enthusiasm where there's an outline and they don't know what's going to happen in the end the george miller and um his team knew exactly what they were going to shoot and the intricacy of this film you know proves that 
what I wanted to say about my general thoughts about the success of this film is, and one of the things that they just don't do anymore with Hollywood movies is give the audience some damn respect. You know, drop us in the middle of a story with a deep mythology and not, don't explain a damn thing. We'll catch up. We know who the good guy is. We know what his goal is. We want it. We see some bad guys trying to stop him. We get it. I love that we discover the mythology, the story, the backstory, everyone's backstory visually. We see uh, these cars. We see the the breeder women. We see uh, the the what are the boys called in the white? Oh, that that whole thing, the witness thing, is just brilliant. Like they show, like we don't even know what's going on, and then somebody is spray painting his mouth, and he's yeah, he's sacrificing part. himself yeah. in this crazy kamikaze way. And you know, it's it's mid action. It's like okay, he's doing this, and he just blew up a car. I think we know what that means. Right. That is nuts. And and all those guys, and we find out later he's got like two tumors, right? And then you cut back to oh, he was sick in the beginning. Oh, all the guys. In white, these the crazy boys. They have a name. I forget what they're called. Um, War boy. You know, right? And and the war boys are like, you know, they're they've all got like, you know, they're all terminal. They got radiation, you know, sickness but, or something. They're all gonna die. But that's that's the amazing thing about this is that there's no moment where they sit down no. and have to explain it to the audience. Okay, this is what's happening. This is why they're spr- it just happens and you catch up and you're pl- and it's almost like I think I said this to you, David, because. Um, we had seen it in the theater together. Um, I had said it feels like so this is a movie that was. I, I know it was hand beautiful. in hand. Aww. Yes, yes. Um, <laughs> Jordan um, is my new hero. So uh, my my point is, is though you, you know you are. I felt like a movie that was made in the future that was like kind of like sent back to us because they don't they don't dumb it down to explain what's going on in this weird. They don't explain their customs. You catch up. You're like, oh, that's yeah. obviously what's going on here, and it's fascinating. Like that, I love that stuff. I hate it in movies when they have to sit back and explain it as if you know they know that they're explaining it to the audience. Here, and that's it was just better storytelling. That's respecting yes. your audience. Absolutely. And you can do that when you've got so much action driving forward. Um, this was not a character piece, right? There's so much external conflict that we're on, but. I mean, it just, not just figuratively, but it literally moves forward constantly. Every, the whole movie, I'm sitting there thinking, please don't stop the truck. Please don't, like, stop at a town. Please don't, you know, let them catch the truck. If they catch the truck, I'm bored with this movie. I don't want to see them, you know, uh, uh, thrown in a torture chamber and then deal with it and try to escape from some place. I was just like, please don't catch the truck. And to my, you know, total joy, the entire movie is on the truck. They, you know, it's amazing. Well, and and David, I I know we're not going to like linger on the, the structural stuff, but one of the things I found fascinating about this movie is that it had this huge second act and the huge second act is on the truck. Like when she sets off until they turn the damn truck around and they go back into it, like it is this massive second act and it, it works. Like when have you ever seen a, a, like half the movie be the second act and it just kicks ass? No, no, it's three quarters of the movie. I mean, the, um, I'll, I'll, I'll drop in the, the structure right now. Just let's get it out of the way so we can have fun with this. Set up, you know, act one is Max is a road warrior in an apocalypse, okay? 
Max is captured. Uh, the, they, the opening image is um, is the same shot from one, one of the earlier movies, isn't it, Jeremy? Yeah, I think it's Road Warrior. It may even be the, uh, the, the poster for, for Road Warrior. I think it's the poster for Road Warrior. A beautiful way to transition us in, right? Um, it's, it's, it's Max and his car, and he's alone, right? And instantly, you know, he's being pursued. He gets caught. He's captured. He's turned into a blood bag. <laughs> Fantastic. And right then, they introduce a new character, Furiosa. She's a tough Imperator leading a fuel run to Oil Town. That's, that's her goal. Okay, and the antagonist is this feudal lord. Do we have a name for him? I don't even know what his name yeah. is. Yeah, it's a Morton Joe. Who is really? he? Was the gang chief in the first movie, by the way? Get out! Yep, yep. Yeah, same yeah, yeah. guy. Yep. Same guy. Wow. Wait, the actor or the character? Same the actor, actor different um, character. It's the actor. Oh, okay. Oh, I thought it was the character. Well, the, the actor is great. All right. Um, character would have been better. So, and then you know, the. The inciting incident is Furiosa going on this oil run. The break in the two is when she goes rogue. And Furiosa begins, you know, takes the choice and breaks us into two, which, Jeremy, you, you brought this up uh, uh, when we were talking about it last week. That's usually the protagonist's job, right? Yeah, and you got the, the name character who's not doing anything. He's, he's quote-unquote a blood bag. And by the way... Like, that's another <laughs> thing about setting up this world is that they, they use the language to set it up, and it's very smart. I mean, we know what a blood bag is. Like, it's screwed up, and we don't want to ask too many questions, but we know. Uh, but, mm. but, yeah, you've got, this, you've got this whole thing, you know, lined up in this way now to um, – but, it, but it's very strange to have this kind of secondary character we don't know anything about setting us out on our quest. The Max, though, is our protagonist – Except for not being the guy who does the actual break into do, except for being tied up and and forced after onto the journey, as as you know, being tied to the truck. Other than that, he's very active throughout the film. And um, what it does is it it breaks it makes him more of an underdog. It helps us uh, give our main character a lot more obstacles to climb. Um, Second act is we find out Furiosa has stolen the valuable breeders um, from our antagonist, from our bad guy. Uh, one or two are already pregnant. Um, the antagonist sends the entire war party to get her. Later we find out it's for family reasons. I think we should talk about that. Uh, and our midpoint, Jeremy, guys, I think our midpoint is when Max gets control of the war machine. Yeah, that makes sense. That's that's where it escalates, where he finally gets off the car, he finally gets on the war machine, he gets control, and he, he and Furiosa and the girls are still at odds, but he takes control of the war machine. Um, there's still a ton of movie left. And uh, David, but, like, but not... with, with that idea, so the A story in this is what? It's, it's Max, Max's adventure? Yeah. And the B Max escaping. And the B story yeah. is the the kind of the 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 breeders getting away and like uh Friosa getting away kind of this escape story, right? Yeah, this is this is a classic uh um uh what is it called with the reluctant hero. He does not want to be here. 
He doesn't want to be involved with any of this. He wants to be right. on his own with his tra- with his car driving alone. And at the low but, point, he actually does leave them, right? Right. But then he chooses to come back and help them. We, See, which I we get, all knew was going to happen. I'm getting so confused right, um, with this because I feel like Max is the only one that we get like a, a hint of a backstory with the, the minimal flashbacks to his parent, his kid and his wife whereas with the women i feel like we're in their current story and we get more of what's happening now from them and less from her so i don't know how you really call one lead over the other well and i think that's a good point because i think the a story um even though it ends up kind of defining it and and it is max and and there's a reason that it's a mad max movie the b story is a lot more vivid and interesting and and the the a story is the escape right oh that could be isn't it isn't the. It isn't about the character whose characters are depth. Absolutely, Furiosa's background and the women and their little the relationships and that one redhead who gets with the the the, the with the kid, the, the dead boy. Yep. Yeah, like that's beautiful stuff. A little sea story there. That's a lot deeper. We don't know a hell of a lot about Max. There certainly isn't much between Max and Furiosa. Also, they play um, with telling you like, her future. Like she, like it's all about her destiny, her making it to these people, yeah. her getting to her mom or figuring out her mom's story. Mm-hmm. And you never really, it doesn't seem like you really care about his story. Because it's, it's almost like an assumption that you know Mad Max, you know his wife and kid, so you need her a few in the sand flashbacks with him. Because you don't really break that out much. Even though it's yeah. called, well, and I think that that's that's an interesting he's, he's, aspect of this whole thing is that the like it just it feels like, like it's he, her journey, like it, even it's, though it's called Mad Max. Well, structurally, it structurally is weird, but it works just fine. Like it it it, it doesn't line up a story b story in the way that that it should, but it's fine. Like it, it's it's totally believable because we're he, on this he, chase. He it is her story. It's it's more like Shane or an old west uh, old western where. They they need uh, Clint Eastwood or somebody to help them uh, with 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 their with their with the journey. They can't do it on their own, and he helps them. But it's not. We don't know much about the the tall dark sh- stranger, but we need him to get the job done. The the so we know. I mean that's why. I mean I before I saw this movie, somebody dropped the uh, a spoiler to me and was like, oh by the way. It's uh, it's Charlize Theron's movie. It's it's not it's not uh, it's not Bane's movie, right? And I was like, oh oh man, because I, I already had low expectations. Like, because I thought first of all, I thought the trailer had all the good parts in it, and I was like, geez, they Hollywoodized the shit out of this. Boy, was I wrong, right? And then second of all, I was like, did they just did they really like lie to us, right? About about um, who who's re the fact that Tom Hardy is actually the star of this movie and on the poster, but it's not true. And no, it's just a very complex story. It's, it's definitely a two hander. If you want to get into the details about who the protagonist is, it, you know, the protag is probably Mad Max, but it's a lot more, a lot more invested in Furiosa's story with her mother, with the women she's leading, um, with the tribe she eventually finds. Well, I, I have an easy way to figure this out because I also felt that it's, that Max is definitely uh, here's the thing. If you pulled Max out of the story, right? Let, let's let's extract him from this. What changes? Is it because to they me, don't escape? Is, they drive they, off they, into the great white waste, like you know. Yeah, they die. They they okay. will not con- they will not complete their mission. But again, you know, 
And the midpoint is when Max takes over the war machine and he says, you know, we're going to do things my way. And and essentially, he's he's the reluctant hero. He, he His way is, I'm getting out of here. Wait, so why are we I'm running to call him the hero? Why can't we call this a buddy movie? This is a lethal weapon. It took both of them to get this done. I, I, I don't see why we're sure. choosing I'm fine one. With that. And there, there is that handshake. There is that handshake that they exchange at the end, which is like, it's not that Hollywood eyes like, oh, they're going to give each other a kiss and this and that. It's like, no, like, it's like this, this level of understanding, like, all right, you know. It's definitely I, a buddy movie. It's, it's, yeah. in, it's, but it's more than that because they're not just Lethal Weapon. Um, they're, they're, they're bigger than that. And they're not totally. buddies. I totally. mean, that's the other thing that's... And they're not friends, like, right. But most of these of buddy I mean, they're, movies, they're they don't reluctant. start off buddies. Look at 48 Hours yeah, right. or, the, you know... The enemies become friends. Yeah, exactly. Well, well, you know what it reminds me of? Like, if you look at, um, like, like the second Terminator, right? You have the protagonist, you can say Sarah Connor, right? Protecting her son. But then also you have the Terminator who's there. um, And it's this, like, similar thing where at the end they give each other this handshake of, like, all right, we were both... We did it together. Exactly. We both did it together in this kind of teamwork where... That's really what it reminded me of, especially that, that end handshake. I think it's also good Charlize Theron had some metal arms, so... I, kind I'm, of a, I'm, oh yeah, nice reference. I'm not. I'm not arguing that Charlize Theron is not the main character of this movie. I'm. I'm arguing. I, I'm trying to defend uh, that the Tom Hardy isn't a minor character in this movie. Oh, not at it's all. It's hard to, to to think of him as major half the time. Um, well, and the and the break into three is great because it's and and like one of the things that I, I will say about this that was so interesting and I'll, I'll invoke the first Mad Max movie is all the flashbacks were straight up like original Mad Max, but we never really knew what was going on. And we didn't actually get that concluded. I don't think that, you know, even though it was his, his daughter flashing out at him that kind of got him into the mindset he needed to be to go and do what he did uh, at the break into three, it still was not like resolved. It was just, it just haunted him to the point where he finally did the right thing. Yeah. Right. That's, and that's like a D story, man. That's like another layer going on there. And our, our low point, our all is lost, is when they get to the green place and there is no green place. Also, yep. the boy dies. The, the, the dead boy dies. The, the death boys or whatever. Uh... Um, and then, then they split off. Furiosa and, and the women are going to go across the salt plain. And Mad Max is going to do his own thing. And then... Yeah, the, the his backstory rolls in, and he decides to do the right thing. I'm I'm not going to be the loner. I'm going to be the team. And um, I don't even think he didn't want to be a loner. I think he just great. wanted to help them. Like you don't yes. you don't know that he won't leave right after they get back to the the place. I think he is a probably still a loner. That's true, and he does. He does. Yeah, he yeah. does. He, slow, he slowly backs right. out. He just you he know. does leave at the end. But that's the theme of. A lot of post-apocalyptic stories is like, can you preserve your humanity? Do the right thing amidst the chaos, mm-hmm. right? And that is—it's well done here. Breaking in three, they decide to turn around and return to the the headquarters. That I right? mean, I think there's uh, also something about this, like, and and I'm I'm sure they weren't fishing that deep, but that idea of setting off across the vast, like, unknown, like, certain death yeah. desert desert to like you know, fulfill your quest. I mean, that's very like Lawrence of Arabia and he kind of turns them around on that. Like, and and again, I'm not trying to get too meta about the whole thing, but it it just feels like it, like that, that was the question is like, no, we're going to, we're going to do an end around 
and we're going to go back through them, which is going to get us to the point that you were talking about, David, which is like the truck being surrounded, that we're going to go through the thick of the whole gauntlet. They'll and never that, see that coming. They'll never see it coming, and it's going to be nuts. Yeah. It's pretty yeah. badass. And it is just, yeah, and it's, I mean. It was scary as hell. It felt futile. Like, this very Thelma and Louise going off the cliff. Like, really? You're going to go back that way? Really? Yeah, we're pulling out all the desert movies here, right? They're all yeah. being invoked. <laughs> There was um, totally. the the third act where they return, they go right back up the middle. Um, it's mm -hmm. like, to me, I think Jordan, I think when we left the theater, Jordan, yep. you didn't believe that they would send all the entire uh, army after them. Because otherwise, if you don't send the entire, all the war parties after them, you can't do this like end around strategy, right? But did anyone feel like that was totally weak? That was like that was the worst warlord move I've ever seen. Like, okay, we're gonna send all of our guns, but we're gonna keep someone badass at home just in case. What what was up with that? They left like the little brother, like the half pint. No, I, really? I agree. I agree with that. But it, it was. Um, I mean, I keep like making this thing more and more highfalutin. But like, it was the Iliad. I mean, it's like. You know, somebody uh, kidnaps my wives, and I'm going to send the entire frigging army of Greece after them, and we're going to have like World War Three. Like, because f through sheer, because of sheer, because uh, vanity, he's, he's vain, and he's and he and he has hubris. Um, I actually, I actually one 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 idea I had was, and maybe we can talk now is a good time to talk about the breeders and. The, uh, the feminine imagery in the film. I think that the warlord, what's his name again? I, uh, Joe. And I wish somebody, I wish they would have yelled it out. You know, it's the, it's this. I basically, it's, 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 uh, you know, predator's human cousin, half human cousin, right? Um, I think he was actually smart. I think he actually had values. I think he was a dictator, a ridiculous like psychopath. But remember, we find out later one of the other warlords says, "Oh, we're doing all this for family reasons," right. because I think, in a sense, he valued having healthy children, and in a sense, values the perpetuation of the species. I think this guy thinks he's the only one who's going to be able to perpetuate the species with all the the the, the radiation and the, the water and all that stuff. And so, yeah, you steal the healthy breeders, that's everything. We need to get them back because he has a grand plan to repopulate Earth with him as, you know, Emperor Ming or whatever the heck he wants to be. Okay, and there's, okay, there's a couple things that I'm just going to call out right now. What what What's the problem with Sh Charlize Theron? How come she's the only female warrior? I did not see near another female warrior. What is it if, she, if she's hot? But she can't breed. Was she like possibly sterile? Like, because I, I didn't see any other woman. All the other women were totally to old at the ground. That's a good and question. I, I have no idea. Like, we, where were they? We, we know that her special. You know, in the second, in part two of Act Two, we, we, she meets up with her clan, and all the women there are warriors, right? All these yeah, then, older ladies, they're bad what, motherfuckers. What, but, but on the, on the, uh, the road warrior side. Do you remember our It's Follows podcast and we talked about mm -hmm. if we had to have sex, it would be like a superhero or someone that was badass that wouldn't die, that would give us a little time to live? If, of all the women around, you had to keep your your species going, wouldn't you pick the strongest it, of women? 
Uh, you make a good interesting. Point. That's, 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 you make a good point. Really not good just point. like not just like the three model chicks, right? In the yeah. same point, like everyone had a price, a, a visceral price, whether it was flesh, whether it was the blood bag. And I don't think it was a feminist thing, you know, because you could be a blood bag or you could be a booby, whatever you right. had to get. But those women, I think, would be better breeders than the skinny, like the hundred pound, uh, you know, model no, chick. Those, those girls were the same ones. They were in their 30s. Those girls are younger. Just think about the progression of time. You cr- you like crank out like what? Uh, four, five, six it. feet. And then they're not saying, oh, go to Planet Fitness after you crank out a baby. <laughs> You're just sitting right. there. Oh, so they were the, that was the first generation their first I got it. I don't think the planet fitness is still open in that next <laughs> world. <laughs> that would be amazing if it was though. Uh, I don't know if it would. It says the personal trainer. Like, you know, yeah, that'd be great. You you got an infinite market. Yeah, you need like Swerk It or like some sort of mobile exercise app if you're going to be a road warrior. I don't think you're going to Planet Fitness. That's a good place to get jumped. Yeah, I I, I got you. I was actually looking for them to pass by a 7-Eleven or something. That would have been interesting. In 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 Beyond Thunderdome, there were relics of the past. They had the whole airplane thing. Um, in uh, in in Mad Max, there definitely were re- references to the old world, um, and as Jeremy was telling us, uh, uh, in Mad Ma- oh sorry, in Road Warrior, there were relics of the old world, but in, and Jeremy was saying Mad Max took place entirely in uh, pre-apocalyptic tipping point. Uh, yeah, tipping point. How did you guys feel about the fact that there was there was ver- there was no link to regular world i i actually kind of like well, that there was the other town oil town we don't know though remember the the fuel town we don't know yeah. they set that up what fuel town looks like all we got to see was it was smokestacks or something like that yeah well it we was did, jersey but we didn't see, it was jersey yeah <laughs> <laughs> i liked course, that it was boiled down to just jersey like survives jersey you know is it's post-apocalyptic right now right yeah, but I like that it was boiled down to like the the automotive side of it. I mean, like it's ridiculous, and it's it's the ultimate hypocrisy of the movie that they they are so consumed with oil and they're right. driving around the entire freaking time. Like, and and it was it was funnier in nineteen like seventy nine and eighty two when we were in the middle of oil crises, and now it's oil is super cheap, so now it's just kind of meta and strange. But at the same time, it's just like, of course that's what we're doing. Like, I kept- you know. I honestly, I there, if there was one thing that distracted me in this movie, I was like, when are they going to run out of the gas? I kept thinking about it. I kept, you know, at one point they have really? that, they have that oil pod. Yeah, they um, abandoned that as a constraint in the movie. They were just they, like, we've got they plenty. They abandoned the oil pod, and I'm like, well, what else is in that thing? Is that oil like, like a I bunch mean, of water to soak the the white t-shirts? Apparently, I mean, <laughs> it was milk. It was milk. It was the, the, milk. This is a rarity, but yeah, there was wait, milk wait, in that truck. What was up with that? Christina, was the truck yeah, the, milk? the side pouch. No, 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 because they were going to fuel up. But they had, like, pockets of milk on the side, right? Yeah, they did. You got to have Remember? that. You gotta yeah, you got to have breast milk on your truck. Well, yeah, they had the milking machines, too, so it's like they were transporting the milk. I mean, we don't even uh, know what that was about. Like, that was totally unexplained. Maybe in it'll Matt, up in, in the Mad Max. Oh, maybe milk. currency. Whoa, 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 whoa. Currency. Uh, yeah. You can't just. Oh, right. That works for me. Oh, to pay for the, to pay for the oil. Yeah. Of course. Right, because it's all the milking we did, you know. Right, and when some- you stop by Starbucks <laughs> at, at, in Fury Road, uh, <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> they don't have soy lattes anymore. 
I want a breast milk latte. <laughs> I, you know, I was just thinking of the the, the, uh, the only relic that you do see is that satellite. You remember that scene where, where she points to the satellite, and, uh, and that was a that was a call. That was a great touch because that that worked a lot better than seeing like some Statue of Liberty bullshit that we've seen a million times. Because that yeah. was something where we still have no idea how far in time we are. We don't know if this is a hundred years in the future, a thousand years, ten thousand. We have no idea, but we do know that okay, there's a satellite floating in the air, and like that that was just a good touch. It was just something where. I don't know. It was it, it worked a lot better because it, it left up to your imagination. Whereas if you saw, you know, it, you know. it, it worked well because George Miller had this deep mythology for the current film. The current film was full of mythology that we didn't run out of stuff where he needed to go back and show a Seven Eleven or show um, a plane that doesn't fly anymore or a lost city. I mean, we had yeah. mythology. Every one of those cars was like its own universe. Yeah, and, and let's let's talk about that for a minute because yeah. I think that like there are things going on in this movie where they're introducing new concepts and you know technology, let's not get all Greek about it, but it's techne and logos, so it's like art and logic come together. And and they had this all this technology with these cars, like the the swinging pendulums with the guys on them. Like that yeah. is something that is weird and I don't understand how it's supposed to work. It's almost it mid fine. it's it's medieval like they used to have pikes but there, there was a physics to it too. I mean, yeah. it was just like, and and it, it held up. It didn't feel totally arbitrary. And so you have this swinging. Right, that's thing. desert battling, car battling in the future. I mean, it's so the, the 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 mythology is so deep and well thought out, and it's revealed no, visual revealed visually. You don't want you don't I, you I, didn't I, see I, it. I'm gonna disagree with you guys. You know why? Because I've been to Burning Man. <laughs> George has been to Burning Man. All of these cars, all of this firepower. It, but why would you not Burning want Man, an action like, oh, well, movie where we've got Burning it. Man personified? That's like, great. That, no, 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 no. It's totally Burning this. Man personified. Tell and us if you more. Go to Burning Man, you see, like, they take, like, honestly, I don't know where the money comes from, but you see kids that, like, deconstruct, like, double decker buses that you see in Manhattan, and they turn them into. There is a Thunderdome at Burning Man, a real Thunderdome. And they, they they spar with like huge mallets, like everything. Awesome. I, I can't. No, I can't. Like for me, it's it's like oh yeah, this is great because it reminds me of my my <laughs> default world of Burning Man. But it's not a big surprise, and I've seen some stuff that are even more tricked out than this. So I think it's just to the person that hasn't been to Burning Man, this is surreal. It's deep. Which but is if you've been to Burning Man. You've seen so much like this. The as soon as the sun goes about, down, is you, is about um, you have golf he, carts he, that like hedonism, right? Flames. Well, that's part of it. Or, or it's is part it, of it? But, or is it um, anarchy? Because that's the theme of this film. It's like bringing uh, order to anarchy. You can't really define it. That's a way bigger question. To Everybody has a different man. voting uh, Okay. Exactly, but but to to technically speaking, with the vehicles that you you have to see. I, I, I implore any of you to go on the web right now and just Google Burning Man vehicles. There, you'll see golf carts with flames. There you'll see like Chevy, Chevy Impalas that are souped up with flames. Everything has flames because at nighttime it gets seriously cold, so everything is tricked out like Mad Max. I don't doubt that they probably the, have you seen that as guitar player inspired by the original. Yeah, what I about the guitar have player? Have you seen the flamethrower? That was 100% Burning Man. That was 100% Burning Man. Number one, right now, while you're on this podcast, and anyone that's listening to this, when this goes out, Google Burning Man flaming vehicles, and you'll be like, oh, 
Oh, I get it. Well, oh. Don't look here. We've don't, been doing don't, this for don't. years, though. But All I think right. we probably so were inspired from isn't the original. That, isn't that like? Doesn't that favor Mad Max that it's invoking these sorts of things that are this part of this this kind of subculture? I mean, that's that's it's a pretty awesome. Culture. It's yeah, the, no, I, it's I the think closest it's a thing we have we, to a modern. I think Burning Man culture. people have totally taken from the originals, like Mad Max and Road War. I think they were inspired by that, and thus, there's a, like I said, there's a Thunderdome. And I think now seeing this again, and even more high tech and beautiful, but it's you know, it's it's in, happening. It in, really in does sense, happen in, at in the end sense, of August every year. In a sense, it's like if uh, if hopefully. Uh, when the when the new Star Wars film comes out, they they fill it with 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 some of the great mythology that's been built up over the last twenty years in fan fiction to to extended universe, all that stuff that came from the original film, but um, hopefully will be represented in the new film, even though it wasn't originated, uh, even even though it it was like the people who came up with it. Yeah, no, I, yeah. Really, I really want to see Jar Jar Banks. So, yeah, right. Uh, <laughs> Wait, does anyone like not notice the shout out to the Dark Crystal, like when they drove at night and those things were on stilts? Yeah, the stitch, yeah, or whatever they're Stitzies. called. Yeah, very much. Yeah. Where and that was Dark just like Crystal. a middle, a middle, um, some town in the middle of the desert where they walk around on stilts. I I totally thought of the Dark Crystal. Yeah, and it, it was a it was a Rabbits. telling moment because they they with the silhouettes they really made it meaningful and memorable. And and so as soon as they reference it later on, you're like, oh yeah, of course I know what that was. Like I, I thought that was good storytelling. I mean, like we we were talking about the story the storyboarding aspect of it, but like this was such a visual movie. I mean, nice work, good work, guys. Yeah, I mean. Yeah. And talk about when you talk about good screenwriting, it's not necessarily dialogue on the page. It you can you could you storyboard an entire film, you're writing the beats. Maybe there's no dialogue, but you're writing the beats. So I think I think what what's most important is that this story as as in any screenwriting, the, the hardest thing to do is to keep it escalating right. the entire time. And every obstacle that uh, Max and Furiosa run into is new, interesting, and more difficult than the last one. And every chapter of this version of the Iliad has a new set of, you know, uh, minor characters. Whether it's these uh, the, the these people on the stilts, whether it's the the tribe from Furiosa's tribe. You know, there's all this, all this mythology built into it, and I mean, I, I know what you're saying, Christina, about the Burning Man stuff, and I, I, it sounds right to me, um, but it also, I, I hate to make this the first comparison that came to mind, but you know, and anyone, no one read Fifty Shades of Grey, right? Uh, Are we actually going to talk about that? That sounds great. No. Please keep going. No, uh, no, keep going. no. E.L. Oh, no. e. James was not the first person to being like bondage in S and M. She didn't invent it. It's to our show, the story right? of O. Like space. right, sure, exactly. Um, there's tons. There's tons of better uh, uh, history of of that mythology, but she popularized it. She got it into a form that everybody could. Uh, that a broad uh, audience could digest. So um, you don't have to be first. You just have to 
execute it differently. Right. What was some of our let's let's focus on this. Uh, what was some of our favorite pieces of the visual mythology, the visual things that we saw in this film? Um, Jeremy, well, go first. Well, I thought that the development of the antagonist culture was really awesome. I mean, it was like you know that this guy is he he's he's hoarding resources, which was what these movies have always been about. And in this case, you know, he's he's anticipating tomorrow, you know, and tomorrow's like resource wars and, and then he's hoarding water. It's not just oil. And it, it, it's you know, he's got this thing, he's got this kamikaze culture that's built around it. And I just thought that the the intensity of the antagonism and who is after them is really intense. And like the blood bag thing, I mean, that you're using someone to deal with your disease by just like draining them of all their bodily fluids. I mean, it's yeah, kind that, of a, that's it's, yeah, they, they, they weren't, they weren't, um, stealing people off the road to, to, to empty their pockets and steal their car. It took it even further. In the other Mad Max movies, it was, I want your oil and I want your car. And right. then, you know, that's it. We're done with you. No, we're going a step further here because we've got these, these army of, uh, of of guys who who are suicidal because they're on death's door and we're going to help you you know uh, give them a blood transfusion keep them alive a little longer yeah and it was yeah. like your your life is almost extraneous in this world i mean it's like we we need you for other resources so we've got oil water and blood i mean that's a pretty good trio that, that's a nice and, thing and to build milk. your whole and, story and, and, milk. Milk. and milk oh it's, yeah. it's like a d story all like the give liquids. me a break all the liquids <laughs> These are the these are the 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 all 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 of the the eternal fluids of the world, right? That keep that uh, that means life or death, and sand is the opposite, right? This is a hundred fifty million dollar movie. They had some great special effects too when they when the when the uh, when the dust storm came, but most of this stuff is practical. Am I right, yeah. guys? Yeah. This yeah. There was like I think it was. 85% practical effects and uh, and a lot of the CG that was done was to remove like wire work and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, but but you can tell, I mean, when when I'm watching this, I feel like I'm watching that, I think that's why it felt like a movie from the 80s and 90s, uh, but in the best way possible whereas 70s and 80s, brother. Ah, uh, well, you know. <laughs> that's what I meant to say. Um, but Carter and early Reagan, let's just situate this. <laughs> yeah. Um, but no, it, it definitely felt like a throwback because you're watching stunts. You know, it felt like the, you know, this yeah. like a big like a spectacle, like you're watching a movie. It was a production, not like something that was done in a studio here and then shot in a studio there and, yeah. you know, background added later, uh, which can look okay too but this just felt real it just felt like it was there um and we had actually dave we had seen it in 3d not because we wanted to <laughs> yeah, yeah uh, because we couldn't get a regular ticket yeah and i would actually say that there's <laughs> there's not any reason to see this in 3d um i didn't really do anything for i actually it. liked it i really I was happy I, I it was such a damn visual movie i was i was fine with it. It, it the 3d part usually bad 3d or up 3d distracts me i was fine with it i was so locked into the visuals of this film right i i i'm fine with it well i think that's my point i think it's i, I wouldn't if it's between seeing the 3d and seeing i, I would just if you want to save money see the regular you're not missing anything I, I i don't think this needs to be seen in 3d because the visuals as they are are so f like fantastic that the 3d for me didn't do anything to enhance it if anything I, maybe i got a little bit more immersed in the world maybe if anything but i don't even think so i think just just seeing these, you know, amazing car chases and these car flips and well, what these... specifically? Well, I mean, they went for it on. Mars. Yeah, 
but 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 you you take that, jo- that Jordan. Tell us more about what you loved out of this this visual, uh, this beautiful set design, all this stuff. Give us some details of the stuff that you liked the most. Yeah. So it was it was kind of said before, but let me elaborate on it. Where where you have that that guy who is on strings playing the guitar. The guitar man. Yeah. <laughs> and, 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 and it's so rock and roll. Yeah, but you see him at first, and you don't know what to make out of it. Is this somebody who's playing this against their will? Are they a prisoner? Are they in pain? Like, I'm looking at this thing, like, this just looks weird to me, just strange. Which is another example of, we're not explained what the hell he's doing there and why he's playing music. Yeah. We, we get it through just context. Okay, well, I guess that's what they do. They And they also, they've, they've also, uh, they've got a whole uh, drum set on the back of... He was blind, though. But do we even need to know? I mean, the point is, is like this is an orchestral experience, and we're having fun. Like, let's go for it. I right. mean, that's what the thing I like. It's like no apologies. We're gonna rock it. Well, the music is there because it's it's tribal. This thing is about tribe, and you don't you don't you don't motivate a, a tribe without rhythm, without melody. And I didn't realize he was blind, Christina. Where, oh, wow. where did we, we get that? Uh, when he actually is in the fight scene going back, and his thing, uh, they're fighting around him, and his head, his his eyepiece comes off, and you see it's not even blind, it's hollows. Awesome. So we don't even know if that was done on purpose or whatnot. Yeah. I know his mouth is all like messed up as well. I, I from what I remember, yeah, um, he, like his mouth was like very, very fucked up when I saw it. Like it, it was very, it was very disturbing, especially just like having him hang there and play that weird instrument. It was, it was, it felt like something that made sense to these people, but we were just looking at it and completely, I don't know. It just, I, I love that. It just, it felt very strange and awkward and like I was witnessing another culture um, that I've never seen before, um, with doing you know with a familiar instrument. It was a guitar, but it had flames coming out of it, and yeah. they kn- they knew yeah. they knew why he was there. But we and were the like, amps. but they're like, why the fuck would you bring a guy like that? But they knew exactly why. You know, they, I, why wouldn't you bring a guy like that? It's so great. There's only one of him. Right. It's like That's it's a- like. It's like he's, he's flea, like like yeah. he's flea from Red Hot Chili Peppers or something. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He dealt with eventually. Like That's the other thing. Like he, he gets dealt with eventually. Yeah. It's awesome. Right. Do you think yeah. he does? Uh, do you think he does weddings and bar mitzvahs? <laughs> yeah, Only he burns him down. Yeah, pyromaniac. I, you know, thinking back to Thunderdome, there was definitely an Australian mm. influence in that film. Everyone still has Australian accents in this film. Everyone got they got rid of all the Ameri- the Australian stuff. They they did Americanize the film, right? They had American accents. Um, yeah. So so when I was so other than that, but thinking about the Thunderdome, I kept thinking about what was there was definitely an Aboriginal influence. There was definitely yep. an Australian influence, and I was trying to make sense on Fury Road. What is the influence here? Because my first instinct, and because this, this is part of the genre I write in was cyberpunk because cyberpunk is using technology uh, a, a, downtrod- a, a downtrodden group using technology to spark a revolution against an oppressive power right but this is not the matrix right and it's not steampunk either because you know these things are not steam powered they're oil powered so to me it was like diesel punk right right because <laughs> right it's on. essentially like it has this Australian Aboriginal influence with the drums, the body paint, the desert people, and then it meets muscle cars. 
Chrome and Maniacs. It just it just felt and that all feels so damn 80s. Yeah, absolutely. A guitar solo, you know, yeah. feels 80s. Um, the Chrome cars, even though the, these cars were insanely like tricked out um, better than they did in the 80s. Guys, it, it, but it's like it's like a retrospective of the eighties. That's that that's the thing. I agree with you that it's situated in that era, mm-hmm. but it's 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 perverted by what we know now. It's an anachronism. Absolutely, it's a total anachronism. It's it's modern. It's yeah. It's it's retro. It's not right. it's not it's not period eighties apocalypse. It's retro eighties apocalypse, right. which is great. Which makes me think of all the great eighties retro stuff in the last few years, like Drive or. Uh, I don't know. I'm off the top of my head. Other eight, 80s retro is so in right now in filmmaking and in fashion. But that's a great point because you could have, like, I didn't see one Prius out there. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, Which would have made a ton of sense. Right. I mean, you know, you didn't uh, see any modern cars. like No solar powered shit. Right. I mean, you didn't even see a Tesla. Like, But it, it just felt like, okay, we established this world that we started in the 80s. Yeah. And we're just going to fucking go with it. Like, yeah, whatever. These are the cars that we were left with. Um <laughs> You could just see the scientists coming over with a with a, with a, with a, with a Tesla saying, "Hey, we've got these," and like, "Yeah, I'm not driving that." Yeah. <laughs> Listen to this. We're, right now, we're talking about there's one place they're not too far away from that has oil, and we're in the middle of the desert. So let's like make the leap. This is probably the Middle East in the future, or whatever time you want to pick. And then let's slightly compare it to Cuba, like when there was the embargo, when they had to deal with old stuff. I don't. I'm thinking right now that these people probably went to the Middle East where they knew there was oil and they pulled mm-hmm. up shop, and that's why they're there. You know, I, this that's, is that's, think that's about where fine, you would get oil from. They're, they're that's not a fine Alaska. fantasy. Yeah, that's a fine fantasy. But but like th- this is an Australian vintage movie, and it's it's outback. Even though it's not necessarily outback, it's like outback like. I don't think that we're in the Middle East. Like there were no Middle Easterns running around. Like I didn't see any Bedouins out there. Like I mean, there was it was it was very yeah, white. They were in the we, rocks. We, the Ewoks were in the rocks. <laughs> yeah, I mean, if it was the Middle East, you're right. It is very white for the Middle East, um, unless that's what happens in the future, which honestly, people powdering they, their skin. The place to go. That was the place to go. Like yeah, maybe. everyone got on their Lear jets and bumped over there because they knew there was tons of oil there. I think you're, you're you're that's taking up directions that don't even exist here. It's uh, possible, but I. Any of but that really exists. But no, but that's but that's the fun. It all exists. That's the it's, fun of it being so so like vague. It's ambiguous. It's it's a, big, it's exactly a, ambiguous. So so that you can kind of project your own exactly project your own uh, just your imagination and say okay where are we what time are we when does this take place and that's you know half the fun but that really doesn't matter when it comes to the story. Well, and we All don't right. even know what apocalyptic world looks like. I mean, is it is it desert like, or is it just desert like because it was always desert like? We don't really know. Right. They, did they live in the desert before? Maybe they did. Who knows? I want to hear the thing you didn't like, or di- and the thing you liked the most about the movie one at a time. We're gonna end this podcast nice and tight, okay? Um, and I want to start with uh, Christina. I love the drive into the st- the sandstorm. I was so excited for that, and I just didn't know what to expect on the other side. And I, I just loved visually. The I loved that 100%. What and didn't what, I like? What was your problem with the film? That's my one problem is that you didn't define why. And I know you're like, oh, we don't have to define anything. It's just a wonderful movie because there's cars. But you didn't <laughs> kind of have to tell me why Charlize Theron is not popping out babies and then why there are no other fighters that are female yeah. what makes her special and unique 
And we, we don't know that. an arm doing something. It might have might exactly. And trusted. Well, I don't even care about special and unique. What made her trusted? She yeah. must have gone down and done well, something was, pretty bad. She dark. was an imperator. That's like, you know, Latin for emperor or whatever. So she's a badass. So she had to, but what made her a badass? What made those guys trust her and put her in that position to drive the truck? That's a pretty important position. Jordan. Yeah. Would you like what problem you have? Maybe uh, tell us what you didn't like and then what you liked. Yeah, let me start with what I didn't like because it's it's small. Because um, as I guess you can tell, I love this movie. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I guess the only thing is that I would have liked I, I would like to have gotten a little bit more backstory um, on uh, Bane, uh, Mad Max, <laughs> yeah. um, because I, I feel like while yes, I you know maybe you know compared to Charlize Theron and, and Furiosa, he, he didn't play the biggest part. I felt like it could have been a little bit, could have it could have you know that ending where he's kind of bowing out. And I just felt there was no character development really. The only thing you have is that he, you find out that oh he does have a heart and he's not a complete asshole and he's not in this for himself and he wants to help them. That's fine, but why was he like that? Yeah, you know, he like, was where, fairly one dimensional. Yeah, yeah, there there there's no backstory, and I get that. You know, it, it's told in the other movies. I don't care. I I, I want to make like I've never seen the other movies and get something. Just give give me something to go off of. A scene where he yeah. talks about how his daughter is dead. Something that makes me feel for him. That makes me feel like he had a shitty past. Yeah. Favorite favorite part of the movie? Okay, it's uh, got to be the guitar dude. I mean, <laughs> it, it all goes back to that guitar dude. I, he was I, awesome. It, yeah, I'm waiting for his spinoff movie. I want to see guitar. I want to see guitar <laughs> dude. I want to see Mad Max Five Guitar Dude, like that. That's that. That's what I'm waiting for. Yeah. No. I. I. I my favorite thing was honestly the guitar like, solo. I mean, he's he's solo guitar. He's the only guy who knows how to play guitar. He won't teach anybody else how to play because he needs the job security. But the whole design of, of the movie, just just such a, an eye for detail. Wh- whoever designed it, I mean, it's just. I hope that they get nominated and win something because it, they deserve it. Um, but yeah, that that was my favorite yeah. aspect of the film. Jeremy. I think my favorite thing was that we took something that was old, in this case, very old. You know, what are we, we're 24, 25 years old, and, and we made it new. And we found a way to make it different and interesting and build on what was already there. And it's, it's my whole issue. We talked about, last time we had a podcast, we were talking about the Age of Ultron and just like the Marvel like morass that they're in. And and this was a movie that was free of that, even though it was in some ways a remake. So I really appreciated it, it, it that. It was an independent vision. This thing was a hundred and fifty million dollar indie film. Yeah, it was great. It was it was its own take and it built on it and it used the the prior efforts in a really strong way. The thing I didn't like was uh I, I thought that it was more it was more feminist probably than than I expected. But I didn't that made feel it, it wonderful. Yeah, that made it wonderful. But I didn't think that the breeders were fully actualized, and I would have liked to see their their characters a little stronger. I would have liked to have known a few of their names. Like I, I, I have images. see a little more, see a little more breeding. Yeah, I have. Well, I have images of like oh, you know, no. the, the one who's like pre, like super preggers and who's like holds herself out of the truck. I mean, that was an iconic moment. Uh, but I like I didn't see what the rest of them did, and and so and and that one. No, they just they a, just had like a hot one of of every flavor. Yeah, but it was it like it was a little trite. Such a guy's so, dream. Yeah, so <laughs> you know it, it was a wet dream, but I would like to see it be more than a wet dream. I'd like to see it be a, a character study with at least one of those breeders. So that that's my only complaint, but I think it was a pretty awesome movie. I 
I uh, I want to concur with Jordan. I wanted more Mad Max. Uh, I love that that the closing image is him alone in the crowd, uh, matching up with the opening image of him alone with his car completely. So it's it's yes, I'm a loner alone, and then at the end he's a loner who saved the people. Classic. Uh, reluctant hero loner scenario he doesn't even kiss the girl um and uh but i, I you know i didn't i don't i don't need more backstory from mad max i want more choices um he has one choice the obvious one where he goes back for them after they've made the mistake i just wanted a little bit more character from mad max i love that this movie that visually this movie was stunning this yeah. movie does so many things it's hard with screenwriting, keeping the action interesting and escalating, keeping the conflict present, giving us breaks. I don't know if you guys realize this because it feels like such a such a thrill ride, but they do take breaks. Every every mat, every action set piece is followed by a small break with a little bit of comedy, a little character development, beautifully done for an action film. Um but for the most part, the, the biggest victory here is how I started off. That this this mythology, which is deep, this story, this world that George Miller created is so rich. And they didn't spoon feed us any of it. They let us discover it slowly, visually. And yes, we want more. Or rediscover it. Rediscover it. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. I felt fresh. I felt, I felt like I my... Attention to the trilogy was like respected. Absolutely, you couldn't have asked for a better That's new awesome. chapter. Yeah, uh, you get, get, let George Miller take over Star Wars. <laughs> yeah, or or Justice League. He was supposed to do a Justice League movie. That's true. He yeah. was he, back in the day. He would have taken over. Now yeah. I'm thinking like I want to see that freaking movie. Like, what would that movie have been like? Holy yeah. shit. Is that some comic book trash that we're talking about right now? Yeah, yeah. Let's not let's not ruin the end of the podcast by referring to it. Yeah, boo. Guys, thank you very much. This is the script produced by Jordan Rosengarden, David Negrin. You can email us, fan mail us, hate mail us, comments, questions, proclamations, proposals of marriage at scriptfeed at gmail.com. Join our Facebook page or our Google Plus page by searching for NYC Screenwriters Collective. You can also follow us on Twitter at ScriptFeed. If you live in New York City, sign up for one of our workshops at meetup.com under NYC Screenwriters Collective. Guys, thank you very much. Four scribes enter. One podcast remains. Later, skater. Later. Cheers. <laughs>